I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer, and the real estate COVID-19 frenzy continues. The market is still red hot. We're going to talk to John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com in just a second. Uh, Lots of stories in real estate, especially a house in Langley that sold $500,000 over asking. We'll ask John about that. That's coming up, but first, some of the consumer news headlines from this past week. Two Vancouver City councillors are trying to clear up the backlog for people in the city trying to get a permit. NPA councillors Sarah Kirby-Young and Lisa Dominato say whether it's homeowners doing renos or businesses, people are getting frustrated by all the delays. They add that all the red tape can lead people to cut corners and then start doing stuff without a permit. An independent study from last year showed that the average wait time for a permit or license in Vancouver is 8.2 months. Dominato says this motion, which goes to council next week, is meant to press the reset button and rebuild the system. Vancouver is getting four new Portland loos. And it's kind of controversy. These are those space-age-looking standalone public bathroom structures everyone's talking about. They cost about 150 grand each just for the structure. They were originally designed by the city of Portland. Spokesperson for the Vancouver Park Board says two toilets will be located at Crab Park, one at Cooper's Park in Falls Creek, and one toilet will be at Columbia Park near Oak Ridge. And here's the rub. That 150000 bucks is just for the toilet. That doesn't include all the on-site costs like plumbing, concrete, and landscaping. So a rough estimate for the four bathrooms will be about a million and a half plus dollars. Uh, there are currently nearly 100 public washrooms under the park board's jurisdiction, costing about twenty-five grand each to maintain every year. That's about 63 bucks a day per washroom. But I guess when you got to go, you got to go. The toilet planned for Cooper's Park that we were just talking about could be part of what sounds like a pretty cool dog park, if you're into that. The city of Vancouver has opened consultation for an upgrade to the dog park that's already there, along with some new fencing and synthetic turf specially designed for dogs. A number of flashier amenities are also being proposed, like tunnels and ramps for the dog, boulders, logs, climbing blocks, even some water features for the dog. They're even talking about a separate area uh, for the dogs that are a little shy, like my dog Gallup, a little shy occasionally. The park board did not immediately respond to a request for an interview and budget estimate, but at least one critic said that this proposal sends the wrong message, especially at a time when so many people in Vancouver are literally living in parks. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate. The numbers are still good. Actually, they're red hot, guiding us through the opportunities out there in the world of real estate in this very interesting market will be John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and with me now is our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. You can see him at johnnysmartpoint.com. That's the website. Uh, And, John, uh, how are you doing? Are you getting any rest at all? It seems like the market uh, refuses to die. (laughs) The market does refuse to die. In fact, it's been growing, as everybody knows. And, uh, you know, I'm getting a little less rest recently 
And since you brought it up, I think maybe I'll congratulate my clients, Sen and Sue, who um, just last night around 1130, we had conditions removed on the sale uh, of their home. So I, if they're listening, I want to say, start off the show by just saying, Sen, Sue, thank you. Congratulations. It was a, it was a process and, uh, and we did well. I'm very happy to have worked for you. So thanks very much. By the way, that's the house we talked about last week as my new listing that was on my website. And uh, yeah, we can talk about that if you want, but congratulations to them. Yeah, that was a beautiful, uh, big home, right? A bit like a compound almost. Well, no, it was about 3,000 square feet, but the lot, you know, great big lot yeah. on Greenbelt on two sides. And, that's and what, that that's really what I meant. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, very beautiful. Well, let's talk about the market. Let's just kind of recap the market. Um, I mean, it, it shows no sign of cooling off. Um, and uh, there's all sorts of things. There's the, the, I mean, the big story in real estate this past week was a house in Langley that went $500,000 over asking price. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, it must be a $6 million home. But I think the asking price was 800 and something. So, uh, you know, what do you make of that? Well, the sensational news, you know, gets printed and uh, that definitely is sensational. And uh, I don't talk about other agents listings because I don't have an intimate knowledge of them. But I do know the property you're talking about uh, in an age restricted development. And uh, it's just one of the signs that, you know, uh, obviously there was a multiple offer situation and there was more than one very motivated buyer who wanted this property. And, you know, that goes into the whole recipe of some of these sales that are that are over list price and much over list prices you know we've been in an inv- we've been in a market since the end of last year let's say september october november things were really rocking but the listings started to slow down and with covid there were limited number of people who wanted to have their house on the market uh, and you know i think that over time in a sustained time where the market has high demand and low inventory you start to produce buyers that are very motivated and you might even say desperate in some cases and some of these buyers may have bid on properties and lost two, three, half a dozen times. And by the time they get to that last property where they're successful, there may be one or two people who have been through the process. They're feeling a bit beat up. They're seeing prices go up uh, on every property they bid on. And so sometimes, you know, in my experience, I've seen buyers say, hey, they just open up that wallet, dump it out and say, and here's all we have. And again, I can't comment specifically on that one property, but Obviously, there were at least two very motivated buyers who thought this is the right house, this is the right time, and I'm going to throw everything I have at it. And, uh, you know, as a result, we're seeing sales like this. Now, it does seem extreme at $500,000 over the list price. And part of that was uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm sure, uh, strategy. And part of that was probably a little bit of luck of getting the right people in the room, so to speak. Uh, but a sign of the times, absolutely, in terms of what's going on in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Likely, yeah, no kidding. Um, well, here we are. March is almost over. Um, you know, what's your what's your prediction? What's give us kind of a recap and what you think is going to happen going forward in real estate? That's always a good question, and I, you know, I, I like to let people know that I don't decide any of these things, but I do have my <laughs> ear to the ground every day. And I'll tell you what my take is on it. I hate to use the word prediction, but I'll give you what my read uh, of the situation is. We're at the end of March, very close to. And um, I think when we when the March statistics are published early April, we're going to see st- stats that are pretty similar to February uh, in terms of very high demand and low inventory. But I think if you look at March of 2021, 
it's a bit of a different market at the end of March than it is than it was at the beginning of March. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, again, market characterized by very high demand and limited inventory. We're starting to see, I mean, look at the weather outside. It's beautiful. We're having listings hitting the market. People have been preparing their homes. And I found compared to early March and late March, uh, when I have a listing, let's say, in a particular area in early March, I might have looked around and we had almost no competition. Uh, and, and that's still the case in some segments. But more commonly in some of these segments, there might be two or three or four other new listings. Um, and uh, so I think that, again, the stats are going to show the balance, the average between beginning of March and end of March. But the trend, thankfully, is leaning towards more listings hitting the market. And I think that trend is going to continue as you know sellers understand that it's a hot market and it might be a good time to sell. Um, the properties are hitting the market, and I find you know buyers maybe are having a little bit more confidence. Maybe in February, if I'm a buyer, I'm thinking, man, there's nothing on the market. I better throw everything I have at this one. Where now, I think there's a bit of an attitude where buyers say, hey, you know, I like this home. If I can get it at something at a price that that makes me happy, I'm willing to go and 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 offer on it and and even compete for it. But I don't have to go crazy because I've got some confidence that if I wait another week or two, there's probably going to be some other new listings that are good. So this is really good news for the market. Um, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like suddenly we're in a balanced market. We're still in a heated seller's market. But the trend uh, seems to be inventory is blooming. It's the spring. And I think that's going to loosen up the market and make it a little bit easier to operate in. And I'm actually hoping to see that trend continue. Having said that, prices aren't dropping. Uh, remaining stable, I would say, uh, and even raising still in, in some segments. Right. We're talking to John Carlson on Vancouver Consumer. Uh, John is uh, a real estate agent. You can find him at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also give him a call, 604-612-0080. And, uh, I mean, it really is a question of uh, inventory. That's, that's the story of the market. It's a seller's market. Uh, but as you just said, uh, you believe that's easing a little bit. More properties are coming on the market. And, and it is interesting because as, as, a, as a, an agent selling a property, it's great because the, the prices are through the roof. It's, it's easy to sell. But you feel overall it's better for everybody when, when things are balanced. Well, yeah. And everybody has their own interest in the market and a seller wants to see the absolute hottest market. I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone who represents buyers and sellers. And oftentimes, you know, they're the same person. They're selling a home and buying a home and, and trying to put those two together can be really challenging sometimes when, you know, there are only so many good properties to look at that would meet your client's needs. And, and there's so many other buyers looking at them. So from a, just a, a point of both sides looking at it that way, I think it would be very good for the market. Uh, it might mean that these astronomical high overlist prices might start to relax a little bit. I don't know. Um, again, that depends on the location and the segment and luck to some degree. But um, yeah, I think that if we have a little bit more inventory, buyers can take a little bit more time to look and make rational decisions. And that that frees up some other people who are thinking about entering the market, but have been a little scared of, you know, being on the buyer side. If, if it relaxes a bit, I think that opens everything up for for everybody. And let's face it, prices are going to remain strong no matter what happens in these next couple of months. But uh, I, I think that's a good thing. And again, I work with buyers and sellers. Uh, so 
it's good to have some options and to take a little bit of the pressure out of the market so people can take their time and, and feel comfortable with the decisions they're making. Yeah, well, let's talk to the people who may be thinking about selling their home. Uh, they've been, you know, something they've been considering for a while. And then you read these articles about, you know, a modest home going $500,000 over asking. Uh, you might start thinking now is the time to get into this market and to sell that home. So, um, and I guess the question, uh, why should people go to johnnysmartpoint.com? What, what, uh, what, what's the advantage? Why should people call you? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great question. And that's really behind a lot of the questions that I do get as a, as a realtor. So I, I like to talk about that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, oftentimes people call me in and and one of the things that, well, there's a few things that, that people look at. They, they may have heard my name or I may have worked for one of their friends or family members or been referred to them as a, as a trusted agent who does a good job. Um, but also people are looking at value. I mean, the value proposition in real estate, we're talking about prices being high. We're talking about you know, all the pressure. And we are also talking about maybe a lot of properties selling relatively quickly. And uh, I don't work for free, but, and, and there are uh, lots of different business models out there. But when you look at the most common business model in the real estate industry, uh, in terms of commission structure, most agents, uh, I, I don't know, 90% or so maybe, uh, charge 7% of the first $100,000 of your sale price and 2.5% of the balance. And that commission gets split between the buyer's side agent and the listing agent. So seven and two and a half, we'll call it. And, and that's one of the big reasons people call me because at my company, uh, most listings, anything over 500,000 is a 2% straight commission. So just to give you an idea, we talked about that house in Maple Ridge that we listed it last week. We got it unconditional last night. And, you know, we're looking at, I can't really disclose the, the actual sale price, uh, but we're, let's call it 1.3 and above. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when we look at that, uh, you know, the other companies, a lot of them at seven and two and a half are close to $40,000 commission. So again, not a, not a cheap commission. Let's call it high thirties. And, you know, my commission structure at, at 1.3 is 26,000 and above it goes up, you know, 2%. So we might be looking at eleven or twelve thousand dollars savings in commission, or maybe thirty percent or thirty-five percent savings, and you know that's real money that goes into people's bank accounts. It's tax-free money, uh, you know, if it's your principal residence, and you know that that makes a difference. So people generally call me for one of two reasons: they've heard about uh, how I work and the fact that I'm very experienced and I do a good job. But other people also kind of come looking for me because they say, you know, I don't know, my, my neighbor spent 40 grand on commission and I don't mind paying a commission to get a good result, but uh, do I really have to pay that much? So I guess one of the one of the big reasons people contact me is, you know, everybody who wants an agent wants a good agent who will do a good job for them, will represent their interests, who understand the agency relationship. They want an agent that doesn't cut corners. They want an agent who knows how to market and do all the you know, the, the walkthrough tours and the photos and the descriptions and knows how to portray their property and all that stuff. But really what they're looking for is to save some money because there's lots, hundreds, thousands of real estate agents out there, uh, all with varying uh, skill sets and experience levels. Um, and people, I think people want to get a good, a good deal. So the value proposition is, is probably one of the big reasons that people ask me uh, to maybe talk to them about selling their home. And, and that goes into, again, the whole smart point idea is, uh, you know, what is the smart place to be if you're selling? You want a good agent, but you also probably want to get a good value proposition. So I would say the combination of those two things are, 
are probably why people might call me and any of the listeners out there who are thinking of selling, uh, you know, maybe you've heard me on this program many times before, feel free to give me a call because I've had a heck of a busy couple of weeks. Uh, I've got a little list here of eight listings uh, that have sold and my inventory levels personally are, are quite low. So um, I definitely have time to work with you if, if, uh, if you want to talk to me about that process. Right. And johnnysmartpoint.com is the place to go. And you were just telling about your, uh, your commission structure, uh, the commission structure. Uh, you can go to the website and you can actually figure out if what your home is valued at, what you could save uh, going with John Carlson at johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, it, it's right there in black and white. And you can also give John a call at 604-612-0080. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some of the properties that are out there. What is out there? And uh, it, is a, it is a great time to sell obviously. And uh, there are still some things out there as well. And, uh, you know, inventory is is a challenge, but uh, that's changing. And we're going to hear more about uh, the real estate market in the lower mainland when Vancouver Consumer with John Carlson from johnnysmartpoint.com continues. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and uh, with us is our friend John Carlson from 2% Realty. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the place to go. You can see uh, some of his uh, newer listings, some of the the homes that have sold recently. You can give him a call at 604-612-0080, or like I say, go to JohnnySmartPoint.com. And we were talking about something you know, it's probably the least sexy thing about real estate, but commission that that a real estate agent charges can make a real difference in what people pay when they sell their home. And uh, John, you have uh, a two percent structure, and when it when people hear that phrase two percent, um, are there some misconceptions about it? Are, are do some people think uh, things that are not necessarily true? Well, well, maybe, yes. And that's another good question because, you know, there's always a bit of skepticism when a product or service is introduced at a significantly lesser price than what the competition is doing. And I think it's just human nature to kind of look and say, hey, you know, this looks to be the same product or service and the prices looks a lot better. So what am I missing? What am I not getting here? What am I what am I cutting out? Uh, or maybe what am I missing if I were to go this route? And so this is an honest question that I get, you know, all the time. Hey, you know, I talked to some other guy at, at another company and he seemed like a good agent. Here's his commission structure. But now I'm talking to you. And I mean, there's a significant difference here. How does this work? What's the catch? And, you know, I let people know really that, um, you know, there's no catch when you when you work with me. I sign standard listing agreements like all the other agents and uh, post my listings on MLS. And it's in a cooperative system uh, where we invite showings and viewings and offers from other parties through other agents and all that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I simply collect less commission and offer out less commission to the buyer's agent. So, you know, I, and I, I'm going to go over a few examples in the last couple of weeks. But um, basically, it's business as usual because buyers want to buy homes. Um, they, they want to get the home that suits them. They want to get the best price they can. And that's really what the whole real estate market is about. It's not about commissions. It's not about realtors. It's buyers and sellers. And my opinion is if, if you're a real estate agent and you fit into someone's plans, whether it's a buyer or a seller, and they have confidence in you to represent them in the sale or a purchase, then you're going to have some work to do. But commissions may vary. And one of the questions that I get all the time is, you know, uh, if you charge less, 
uh, what are you cutting out or, or what am I missing? So uh, I, I let people know that I do the full service, of course. And, um, you know, it's more than than just a commission. Uh, you, you know, you're, you want to pay, you want to get a good value on any service you have, and especially in real estate because it can be expensive. But uh, don't necessarily equate the commission payable to the skill or expertise level you know, of the agent. So people ask me, gee, does it work? Do other agents show my property if I'm offering a little less commission? And, you know, the quick answer to that is that agents, you know, are ethical people. They have agency relationships with their client. And those agency relationships say that they represent the interests of their client. That's their first and foremost concern. It's not what's the paycheck on any individual property. So I'm happy to say that you know, when I list my properties, buyers will judge the properties on the merits. They don't judge it on the commission payable. And agents understand that everything is negotiable, including commissions. So my listings get shown and 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 they sell. And as a result, I mean, we were talking and maybe I'll just give you a quick. This is just within the last week or so. Sure. I mean, last night we had the house in Maple Ridge at just over one three sell. And just quickly, and I'll compare all of these to the to the most typical commission structure, seven and two and a half. There's eleven thousand dollars savings. That house sold, you know, in a week. Uh, here's another one in Maple Ridge at the 1.1 range. That was about ten or eleven thousand dollars savings compared to the seven and two and a half. Um, just last night, I had another uh, deal firm up, and this is a condo in Maple Ridge, and it was kind of in the four hundred thousand dollar range. And the, you know, typical commission or or a seven and two and a half commission, I should say, which might be about fourteen thousand dollars, but we're like between eight and nine, so let's call it a six thousand dollar savings there. Uh, I just had one conditions come off the other day in Surrey. Uh, this is a condo in the half a million dollar range and the savings compared to seven and two and a half is about six thousand five hundred dollars for my client uh, then i'm looking at a house in poco that we sold a, about two weeks ago and you know that was about a ten or eleven thousand dollar savings for a 1.2 million dollar home uh, so these are real stories of real people who wanted to sell their home were successful and saved a significant amount of money on commission compared to what a lot of the other agents were quoting them. So to answer your question about, you know, what are the concerns? There are maybe misconceptions that, you know, hey, if you hire someone that doesn't charge a certain amount, you might not be getting a good agent or you might not be getting uh, a good negotiator because why would they offer their commission structure lower on the first place? Obviously, they don't know how to negotiate. Well, my business model is one of offering value. And so it's not that I don't know how to negotiate or won't negotiate. I, again, I think I'm in the smart point. I offer a very good value proposition to sellers and I back that up with a track record and experience level that is very hard to match for any of the agents out in greater Vancouver, the Fraser Valley. So uh, it does work. Um, some people wonder, you know, hey, should I consider this? And I think you should. So if you're talking about selling, you know, uh, amongst yourselves out there, maybe give me a call and I'd be happy to explain how all this stuff works. We're talking to John Carlson from uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's uh, he, that's the smart point uh, where you can you can save some money on commission, but you're getting uh, an experienced and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say it an award winning r- real estate agent. You've sold more than a thousand properties. Um, and, uh, and I think it's important that you have somebody, um, even though it seems like, oh, you put it on the market, it sells, but you need somebody who knows what they're doing, especially when, when, when there are things like, uh, bidding wars and, uh, you know, houses that go for $500,000 over asking, I think it's important to have experience. And that, uh, is where Johnny smart point comes in. So go to johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, or give them a call, 604-612-0080. 
And you can go on the website, and if you have a property that you're thinking of selling, I mean, uh, this market is uh, is red hot. And if you're thinking of selling and you have a, a vague idea of what it's worth, you can find out how much you can save on commission. And uh, I think that's... Um, I mean, experience is everything. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that with you. Hey, John, would you agree with that? I would. And, you know, you bring up a really interesting point about experience and this current market, because on the one hand, you might look at it and you say, well, well, everything's selling. Why do I, you know, I might as well just stick a sign in the yard myself. And that's always an option for a seller. And, and that's fine. But on the other hand, you know, in this, in this uh, multiple offer uh, environment that we're in from a seller, there's nothing better than, you know, in my opinion, an experienced agent who has a, a good grasp and an understanding of, first of all, you know, the rules and the etiquette, if you will, about handling multiple offer situations, because it's a very delicate thing, but also some of the strategies that will lie within those rules, if you, if you know what I mean. For instance, when I have a, a listing and there's five offers that have come in, I have a duty. I work for my seller. Uh, and I have a loyalty to my seller only. I don't have any loyalty to any of the other agents or the buyers other than to be honest and truthful to them and to not disclose the terms of their offer to any other. In other words, not to prejudice one offer against another. But within that framework, there are a lot of different strategies that one can have and use. Um, you know, Let's say you have five offers and you narrow them down to three that are unconditional, so they're in the game. Um, you know, These other agents can be called, and there are ways of... You know, in our business, I think um, as a real estate agent, I've heard it said that we get paid for our words, and and that's partially true. And I think the way that you handle um, a multiple offer situation and you encourage uh, the best possible bids from all of the contenders without stepping over the line and you know getting yourself or your client in any trouble or, or that sort of thing. And I will mention quickly another thing that I that I do offer clients is this is my 25th year in the business and I've never had a disciplinary action. I've never needed my errors and emissions insurance. I've got a spotless record and that's because I just tell the truth as I understand it at all times. But back to the multiples, um, a good experienced agent, you know, I've seen in fact recently been involved in situations where offers come in in a multiple Agents have said, hey, John, you know, this is a multiple offer. We're giving you our best shot. Well, two or three hours later through the process, they're up fifty or $100,000 simply because, uh, you know, my sellers and myself were able to communicate properly to these potential buyers um, in a way that had them bring up, you know, their bid even further. So it's a market where, hey, anything can sell, but you have to make sure you maximize the sale price in this market, especially if you're looking to buy again. And so I would say an experienced agent who's very familiar with how to operate a multiple offer situation is really going to be your best friend uh, in most situations here. We're talking to John Carlson on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Uh, You can find John at his website, johnnysmartpoint.com. And I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I see a few of the green banners that say new listings. What are you excited about? You were talking about to oh. some some new properties yeah. coming up what what's really got you yeah. going? well and you know i've got accepted offers on a lot of these properties now as well that are showing on my website because things are moving and i'm definitely looking for more new listings so feel free to call me but i'll tell you one that i'm really excited about uh this is a fantastic family that i was fortunate that really fortunate to meet just last week and uh, mom and dad in their original house i think it was built in 1970 this is 2548 adelaide street in abbotsford fantastic West Abbotsford uh, location, um, 9,000 square foot lot. So it's a nice big lot. This is a, 
a home that the original owners are still in. In fact, the fella built the house for himself back in 1970. So it's not a house that's super updated in terms of brand new kitchens and all that stuff, but it's priced well. It's eight ninety nine nine. dollars uh, Again, 9,000 square foot lot in a great area. It's three bedrooms up. It's about 2,300 square feet total. The basement could easily be suited. It's got a oversized single garage with a back door so you could drive right through it into the backyard. So if maybe building a shop is your thing, that's something you could look at with this house. Uh, we're going to be looking at offers on this one Tuesday night. So it's open and available for viewings on the weekend. And that's the one right now that, um, you know, I've had people express interest in it, but we're not looking at offers quite yet. We need to make sure this, this one gets exposed to the market properly. And uh, Tuesday night, it's going to be a very popular listing at 2548 Adelaide. Wow, in Abbotsford. And that's so interesting because how, how common is that to, to sell a house from the 70s that was, and you're buying it from the person who built it? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, not that common to have the original owners. And these areas are hot because price-wise, they're attractive. And buyers from all kinds of areas that have been priced out of that kind of range are now focusing on outlying areas. So Abbotsford's a hot spot right now, and this will be a really good listing. And I can only imagine if the person who's been upkeeping this house, who's been maintaining this house, was the person who built it, I guess, I bet every single little thing is is top-notch, I'm guessing. Well, you know, the nice thing about houses like this is they're generally not abused. Houses that change hands and maybe have been rented a whole bunch of times yeah. and maybe been tenanted. And sometimes you hear that expression, lipstick on a pig. I, I hear that, you know, once in a while from my buyers. They'll look at a house and they'll go, oh, you know, it's been painted, but what's under that paint? Well, the nice thing about an original owner home is usually that it hasn't been abused. It's been looked after and you might not have granite countertops, but you've got a good solid house. And this one has, you know, thermal windows and a modern roof and all that stuff, the new roof. So just a nice, well-cared uh, house. And the thing you cannot replace is the, the neighborhood. You know, some of these newer homes, they're wonderful, but they don't always offer these great big lots and really convenient neighborhoods where your kids can walk to school and, you know, the bus stops around the corner and your shopping malls just down there. So yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, it's 2548 Adelaide Street in Abbotsford. And you can see this house. You can find out all about it at johnnysmartpoint.com. And that is John Carlson's website. Uh, well, John, uh, great to talk to you. And we'll see see how the market is next time we talk, which I'm guessing uh, it'll probably still be red hot. So it, it's never been a better time if you're on the fence thinking of selling a property Give John a call, uh, 604-612-0080, or go to his website, johnnysmartpoint.com. Well, uh, have a great week, and uh, John, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. I'll see you in two weeks. We'll talk about the market again then. Sounds great. Uh, that is John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. It is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and with me now is Andrew Ferreira, the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer, for our segment called Ask Andrew. And we're talking about the Olympics. And I remember the 2010 Olympics, it was like eating a really great big meal. When it was all finished, you were like, I'm never eating again. But, you know, years passed, a couple of decades, a few decades go by, and, and then you start thinking, hey, that might be fun to do again. And uh, there is some, uh, as, as you say, Andrew, some rumbly rumbly about uh, a bid for the Olympics in Vancouver again. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, 
it's kind of like having a, like a giant meal, right? You're satisfied, you're full. But not only does this meal, you know, also, you know, it could be very satisfying. It'll also bring a lot of money in. Yeah. Um, and with the pandemic, the way that it is, um, a lot of local groups are, are, are eyeing a potential bid to host the 2030 Winter Games uh, as a key economic driver um, in, in the long term kind of economic outlook and securing a bid for that would help ramp up uh you know investment in 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 tourism when people are allowed to do that uh investment in infrastructure investment in you know anything really uh we saw the you know the lead up to what happened before the 2010 games we saw massive infrastructure upgrades we saw you know massive tourism spending and the economy boomed really Mm -hmm. um but one thing is interesting about this potential bid, and this is only a potential bid. Like I said, there's only the rumbly rumbly. Um, they want this uh, local, you know, local groups are eyeing this as a regional approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this probably wouldn't be quite the same as the 2010 games where we had, you know, all of the venues were essentially uh, in Vancouver. There was the Richmond Oval and there were the the mountain events and Whistler. Uh, this would probably be more evenly spread out through the lower mainland and the surrounding areas. Um, not only because it, you know, it's it's a better thing to do. Let's not leave people out of it. Uh, but also because the International Olympic Committee, uh, they started doing what they're calling their quote new norm um, with game planning, where they're now encouraging instead of host cities to build everything from scratch each time, which while nice and shiny and great for you know ribbon cutting. Uh, is kind of bad overall. Um, they're saying we want this to be more um, sustainable is probably a good word for it. You know, we here in Vancouver and, and Lerman are lucky that all of our Olympic facilities are still in regular use. Um, we are able to repurpose essentially everything into community centers, uh, legacy sports venues, housing. Uh, but you look across, you know, the world at other Olympic Games, that hasn't always been the case. So doing that for this, um, for the lower mainland, we already have, we've proven we have a suitable infrastructure, you know, set of infrastructure to host the games. And, you know, creating a little bit more is certainly not going to be the tall task that it once was. So that's why you're hearing the rumbly rumbly here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, like I said, nothing is set yet. There is no official bid. There is no group um, that is sanctioned to act officially on behalf of the Canadian Olympic Committee. But things change. Yeah. And, uh, well, it would be fun. I'm not looking forward to that that week before they start when every there's this collective stress because we don't have enough snow. Oh, that, yeah. Here we go again. That, that was the worst. That was one of the warmest <laughs> winters on record. And, of course, it happened in the year that we hosted the Winter Olympics. Yeah, because when I have visitors from out of town come to Vancouver, I always feel kind of responsible when it's raining. I oh, feel like it's my fault. And I felt, I think the whole city, the whole lower mainland felt a collective guilt because there wasn't enough snow. It was horrible. But then it worked out, and it was actually pretty great. Yeah, so there you go. That's Andrew Ferreira. Ask Andrew is our segment. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. And coming up, if you are thinking of estate planning, thinking about, uh, you know, tidying up all the loose ends, my next guest is going to help you with that. We're going to talk to the folks at Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this.